this week, I've been overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. And, uh, you know, when Ali just said, you know, if you just need more love, I I was chatting to a team this morning, uh, you know, God's love doesn't run out, just like our love for our kids never runs out. But they always want more. And and I feel we get to come to Jesus and go, you know what, I need more. I need need a snuggle. I, I need more of your love. And so that is just what has been grabbing me this week is the love of Jesus and um, what we want to have a look at is, so um, if you didn't join us last week, this week we are continuing in our series as we go through the book of Acts. Um, we, we see that God used ordinary people, not professionals, to start a church, to begin a movement. And, um, and, and there are no professionals here at this moment. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. Because what we get to see is we get to see God use us to bring a change. And as we look at the book of Acts, it's not just a story, but it's an example that we get to follow because the same mission that they were on back then, we are on right now. And it is going to be mission until Jesus returns. So with that said, um, let's jump into it. Are we all good? Okay, do you have your Bibles? Grab your Bibles, turn with me. We are still in Acts chapter 1. I told you it's a, it's a long book. Uh, there's so much that we get to, um, get to have a look at. So Acts chapter 1. Um, but we're going to be reading from verse 12. And it says the following. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk. Now, um, that Sabbath day walk wasn't that they walked there on the Sabbath. It is a system of measurement. On a Sabbath, you were only allowed to walk or journey a certain amount of kilometers. And at this point in time, 1.2 sounds like my ideal walk every morning. <laughs> you know, everybody says you have to at least do five. Who did the park run this weekend? Yeah, it's not biblical, guys. Only 1.2. Don't go further than that. <laughs> But, but something I want you guys to have a look at here. We, we read already last week that Jesus put them on mission. But what you need to understand at this point in time and why it's so um, important that Luke goes into so much detail that this is a Sabbath day walk is because they were still Jewish guys. They still, even though they had Jesus' teaching, even though they experienced what he was doing, there were still certain laws that they were operating under. And everything changes when the Holy Spirit comes. And here, as we read in chapter 1, these are still a bunch of Jews, young guys, that are, are in a way, and now they are heading to go and get a promise that they were given. Okay. So, a, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, those present were, now check how detailed Luke is. Uh, he doesn't just say, and the disciples met up there. He goes into detail. He goes, oh, and there was Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas. Oh, don't forget Bartholomew and Matthew, you know, that guy. Then James, son of Alphaeus. Alpheus, really good name. 
It's, it's available once again. You know there are some really good biblical names. Alpheus. <laughs> Alpha, Alf, I don't know. There, it's there. It's there. And Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. See, very particular about making note of exactly who he was with. But he, he goes on in verse 14 that says, And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, Jesus' brothers. You see, there were people there. Let me tell you who was there. It was all the disciples, but I'll tell you their names because it's important because this is who Jesus is using to infect the world. But not only that, dude, there were women there as well. Oh my gosh, not women. There were women as well. Not just any women. Come on. Mary Magdalene was there. Ooh, you're so bad. <laughs> but then including his mom and his brothers. And, and Luke looks at and he goes and he goes, they journeyed so far to get to where they needed to be. And when they got there, this is what they did with the people that was with them. And today, I just want to take a couple of minutes to unpack our next part of Acts from this title, First Things First. And before we get into it, can we pray? First Things First. Father God, we, we thank you that we get to do this. We pray as we open the word, our hearts cry, speak to us, grow us, move us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, who of you guys get distracted really easy? Uh, I'm, I'm a squirrel kind of guy. Uh, this, this, this week, um, I was trying to get ahead of prep work. Um, so normally I start like on a Tuesday, but I, I, I started a little bit on Monday, and I thought if I get ahead on Monday, you know, it frees me up later on in Friday. But as I sat down to start working, I realized, wait, I need a book that I made notes in, and it's in my bedroom. So I got up to go and get the book, but as I got up, I saw my cup there that was empty, and I'm like, let me put the kettle on and I'll make coffee. So I picked up the cup, and as I turned, I'm like, but wait, this is my wife's cup. Oh, let me clean up quickly. And as I picked up her cup, I looked over into the TV room and I'm like, oh, the kids left all their stuff here. And so you know what I did? I went into clean mode. Now you guys must understand, the lady that's coming to clean our house comes on a Monday. And I decided, wait, 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 wait. I can't leave my house like this. So I started cleaning up, put everything in the kitchen, uh, you know, just doing things. And then I sat down again. And while I was busy working, I realized, you know what I forgot? Forgot my coffee. So I got up, went to the kettle, switched it on, put my coffee cup down, took out everything, went to go sit down, and then I realized, but that is not why I got up in the first place. And so I realized that I didn't even get the book. So I got up, and I walked to the room to get the book, and you know what happened? I looked into the kid's room, and I'm like, oh, what a mess. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to get the book. And I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go to work. But by the time I got back to where I needed to be, Allison came home, and it's like, we need to go out. And so everything was delayed by a day. And, and, and this is what I believe 
as we look at this portion in the book of Acts, it's like they're trying to tell us we've got to keep the things that are most important at the forefront. We've got to do those things first because it's so easy to get distracted. And when you get distracted, you forget what you need to do. And on time, there's going to be days where you forget the kids at school. <laughs> no, no, truce, Bob. They'll leave you there. It's okay. Just sleep in the education center. When you wake up, you first there. No, I'm just joking. It will never happen. But there are going to be days when you needed to do something and you get so distracted because you're focusing on the things that aren't important that you actually miss out what God wants to do in you and especially with you and through you. And so here we have a look at the disciples that throughout the book of Acts, as this movement grows, as they get mobile, they followed what we can call over here, what we're going to look at now, a kind of a blueprint of how they did things because throughout the book of Acts and from there you will see everybody follows these things that were important. But I've got to tell you, we can get so caught up with good things, but not all good things are God things. We can get so busy with the good things that we do that it takes place of the God things we need to do. And this is why I believe in this part of Acts they are showing us exactly a pattern that we need to follow. So first things first. This is what we see them do. They gathered with each other. That's the first thing that we read. As they left the first thing that they did was they gathered with each other. We talk about getting together always, but it's biblical. You see, the first church was, wasn't built on the um, isolation of an individual. It was built of people coming together. And that is what we need to do. If we want to see change, we've got to gather. Who likes Brian? How many of you guys know Brian alone is cool? Hey, because there's no one you can share your meat with, right? <laughs> but how many of you guys know Brian with friends is amazing? Hey. There's a chias. I love it. There is no other word for it, man. Chias. Man, we, we, we should teach everybody that preaches online, whether you're from America or Saudi Arabia, chias. There, there needs to be chias. And there's always this chias when you bribe. And, and, and so Jesus, he implemented that. Wherever he went, he had people around him. He sat with people. He didn't only teach one person. Most of the time he was teaching, he was teaching in groups and crowds. And he goes, come on, let's get together. In, in my Bible, it says they gathered together. But in another translation, it says they were in one accord and my wife and all the guys from our life group are looking at me and shaking their heads. But no, I will not do it. I made a promise. And one accord means they were together in agreement. In agreement. And, and that is the first thing we need to understand is that when we come together, can we be in agreement? The agreement was that Jesus has got us on a mission. We have to wait here. Let's pray. 
So the very first thing that we need to look up is that when, in order to keep the first things first, we need to, I love this word, huddle up. Not cuddle up. <laughs> huddle up. Huddle means to come together. If you have watched any sport, whether it be a movie or a real sports match, you will always see the teams will run onto the field and they will always huddle. Sometimes it can be before a match or during the match. But they always call this thing called a huddle. Why? It's so that they can get encouraged, relay information, and it also shows that everybody is included. But also because the noise of the crowd is way too loud for them to sit like this and convey what is happening and give play-by-play plays. So they have to come in closer together so that whoever's leading, the captain, the coach, can speak to everyone and they can hear. And I believe we need to do that. We need to be careful about where we isolate ourselves and when we are in the world that we don't forget to come together because the noise the world makes is very loud. And we can easily get distracted by what the world is saying. You need this. You need to look like this. Don't do that. But when we follow this pattern of going, hey, let's huddle up. Let's take a few days. Let's get together. Let's come in close. We get to hear exactly what God is doing, what God wants to say, what is happening. We, you know, when we get close to each other, we can say, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I need prayer for. This is how things have been. I'm doing great. This is what God is doing in my life. Come on. It's like, did you see what's happening over there? Okay, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's not run around. Remember last week we spoke about you got to wait? You got to chill. But in the waiting, there's a little bit of a, a doing, a getting ready. And, and when, when you get ready, you're coming closer and you huddle and you go. Okay, Lord, what is it that we need to do? Not only do you ask God, but you check up on the person next to you, in front of you. Because there's no one behind you in a huddle. Have you noticed? No one stands behind you in a huddle. Why? Because the person behind you can't hear what's happening in the circle. So we have to include everybody. So in, um, just, just to holler out at some people in South Africa, can we make the circle bigger? Make the circle bigger. Because did you see who the they were? Because it says they gathered, and Luke was very careful in showing us who it was. It was the ones that ran away when Jesus went to the cross. It was the one that denied him when they asked, do you know him? It was the one that said, you know, when Jesus appeared, it's like, I don't believe. I doubt he could be alive. And, and, and Luke lists all these people, and, he, and, and you know what it shows us? The people that gathered weren't perfect people. They were people with flaws. They were ordinary people like us. At that moment, the Holy Spirit hadn't descended and fallen on people. And yet, these imperfect people got together, and what did they do? They huddled. They looked at each other, and it's like, why aren't you dressed the same way? Today, we were going to wear blue with white socks and a green sash. 
you're not allowed here. The other guy went, I heard what you said about that other guy. I saw how you cheated on that test. That's not what they did. A bunch of imperfect people came together. Because it's not about perfect people meeting. It's about imperfect people following a perfect God. And so we get to come together no matter what it is. Because remember, Jesus died for us. We weren't perfect. We still aren't. But he's like, I, I want you on mission. I died for you. So, so can, can, can we be careful that we don't put a limit on who's allowed in the circle? Because just remember, Jesus didn't call perfect people to do a holy huddle so that they can become the chosen frozen. You know what the chosen frozen is? It's the guys that just come to sit and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We will do that, mm-hmm. Come end of service, come on, to and we do nothing until Sunday comes again. And then we do our holy huddle and we sit and we do nothing. <laughs> Freeze, right? <laughs> but Jesus is looking for people that will come together and go, hey, just remember last week we spoke about the waiting as those people that are, are ready to run. They're in the starting blocks. And we don't know. I mean, Peter was a flippant gangster, guys. He walked around with a with a knife. Can't you limb? <laughs> he didn't just say it, he did it. <laughs> that was Peter. But we go, hey, let's, let, let's be careful who we allow in our huddle. Jesus says, no. They went. They gathered. And this is the next thing that they did. They bowed their heads. got together and they prayed we have to pray they prayed consistently we've changed what we do in the morning we don't come here and have one person pray over us when when our team huddles now before service we go it's not enough for just to share devotion and one person pray through that devotion we say no we're going to come together as a team and we're going to pray we're going to ask God to work in people's lives we're going to ask God to transform not just people but all of us to work in us to Holy Spirit to fall over here. We've got to pray. See, they prayed consistently, not just every now and then. That consistently is very important wording in that. Because it means that when Luke was doing his research, that they were telling him, when, when you woke up, they prayed. Before they left the house, they prayed. When they met with people, they prayed. Before they went out, they prayed. When they came back, they prayed. Before they went to bed, they prayed. When their bladder took them to the toilet in the evening, they prayed. I, I prayed, like, can I just make it to the bathroom? <laughs> but prayer needs to be a consistent thing in our lives. We've got to get together and we've got to pray. A Christian that doesn't pray is like an awesome car, but you don't have the keys. It's yours. It's yours. Everybody knows it's yours. You can see it. Why? Because it's like, I'm going to check my car. You can't show it to them because you don't have the keys. It doesn't move. It's just something that stands there. 
It's got no power. You can tell them how much power this thing has. It goes from naught to 120 and I don't know. Because you've never driven it. You can give them all the stats about the car, but if you don't have the keys, it means nothing. So a Christian that doesn't pray is exactly like that. We, we, how do we communicate with Jesus? That is what we do. We've got to come together and pray. You see, they, they, they were in agreement. They said, come, let's, let, let's meet and let's get together. Jesus has got us on mission, but let's pray. But do you notice what happens in their prayer meeting? God is a God that never changes. He remains the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. He'll be the same. They changed. We cannot come into a huddle and seek God. We cannot come together and pray without our lives being changed and transformed ourselves because He works in us. He doesn't need to change. We do. So no matter what we are doing, prayer changes us from the inside. See, why did they pray? For preparation. When did they pray? Always. How did they pray? Together. These were the same guys that went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. It's not about... You don't have to pray in the King James, people. Long and with big words. Jesus wants you to come to him and have a conversation. God the Father wants you to get down and go, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And you are who I need. Doesn't have to be big words. My daughter communicates with me in not big words. When she was a baby, she communicated with me in even not so big words, like with sound, blah, blah, blah. Did it stop me from engaging with her? No. I walk into the room and I speak with people that have a vocabulary. I'm like, I don't think that's in my dictionary. Sometimes it can go over my head. But it's not about how, about to who. We've got to keep that in mind. Don't not, I know prayer is boring sometimes. I know we can get scared about praying corporately because, hey, we don't know what to say. But I can honestly tell you, no one's going, did you know, go on, pray. I only judge my family. There's no one else I judge. <laughs> we never have my wife and my daughter pray on the same evening. We always switch it the next week. Because <laughs> they'll start prayer meeting before supper and we'll end for breakfast. <laughs> Have a look at this. Turn with me to 1 Timothy um, chapter 2. I've been, my, my morning devotion has been in the book of Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes to a young pastor, a young leader, and he writes this. Verse 1, it says, I urge then, first of all, the first thing he tells him to do, first things first, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. 
for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful lives, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Paul tells Timothy, the first thing that you have to do, can we pray? Can we pray? Can we pray for everybody? Because look what it does. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Prayer pleases God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And here we got another one, that prayer pleases God. And those two actually can't be separate. Because in order to have faith, you have to first come and acknowledge and believe that He exists. So if you pray, it means, hey, I have faith that there is a God. I believe in him. And this pleases him because you're coming towards him. And then it carries on in verse 4. Um, sorry, our God and Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to pray for people. Because Jesus didn't die for some, he died for all. Not everybody will accept but we pray, Lord Jesus, do something. Change it. Don't go, oh, Lord Jesus, bless Dante. May he have everything that you have that is good. And Alison, Lord Jesus, thank you, um, whatever. <laughs> you, you know, he doesn't say that. He says for all people, for people in authority. Why? So we can have peaceful lives. So that we can live in godliness and holiness. We. Because if we pray for them, our lives, I can't say will become easier, but then we get to focus on what we need to do. So pray for each other. It pleases God. It brings peace. It changes people. The disciples did nothing without praying. That was all they knew what to do. Later on, if you go and read the, the rest of Acts chapter 1, they have to get another person to take the place of Judas. And so they, 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 they build a criteria of who, what kind of person fits this calling that they need to replace. But they don't just choose. They pray. And the Father reveals that it would be this and that person. So no matter what you do, can I ask, always pray first. If it was important to them, it should be important to us. I just want to have a look at one more point. But what we need to do is we need to go back just a, a couple of verses and one of our huddles is our life group on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Get into, a, get into a group. If you're not in a group, come and chat to me. Let's make a group. You know, like people easily make WhatsApp groups. Let's make life groups. Come find your huddle. Because in our huddle, we were just chatting about Sunday's message. And someone pointed this next part out to me. And it I just... I was sitting there, I was going, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Why don't you guys come and sit here when I do sermon prayer? I, I, was, I was really excited. I'm like, oh. 
But I preached that already. I can't use it. But while I was sitting and, and I was getting ready to, the, to do this, God just showed me something. And, and we have to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. It says, They were looking intently up at the sky as he was going. This is Jesus ascending, right? He had just communicated to them what they needed to do. And this is his last couple of seconds on earth. And then he ascends and they're watching him. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the last point I just want to share with you guys is don't get stuck. Have you ever played the game Stuck in the Mud? Um, who's old enough to remember that game? I'm just checking. I don't know if the youngsters know that game, you know, PlayStation and all those things. We, we played outside and like they're stuck in the mud. So let me, let me just explain. Uh, stuck in the mud. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just looking at a couple of people here. They, they're looking at me like, did you guys play outside in the mud? No. Yes, we did, but not this game. So it's, it's like uh, what they call touches today. Stuck in the mud, you would run and you would, someone would be it. And then you'd run and everybody else would be free. And you would run and you'd tag them. And when they get tagged, they are stuck. And you have, to, and they can't move. And you have to try and get everybody else. And, the, and you can unstuck someone. Can I say, is that a right word? Unstuck them? You can make them, is that not an English word? <laughs> you can set them free by going to them and putting your leg, your foot between their legs or touching them. And then they are thawed out. And then they can run around all over again. And the, and the whole game was to try and get as many people as possible stuck while you're in. The aim was you, the first person that is stuck, is the next person. But the, the whole idea is not to get stuck. But the reason I'm using this analogy is because we can get stuck in a moment. And what we see here is the disciples watching Jesus ascend into heaven. They've never, could not imagine something like this happening. It is that amazing. We've been so desensitized by movies, you know, watching guys fly off. But you're the disciples. They've just experienced Jesus' miracles, witnessed his resurrection, and now they see him ascend to heaven. How many of you guys know if I had to see that, I'd go, huh? There were so many emotions that they were um, experiencing at that moment, but one of them was, that's Jesus leaving. And they get stuck there. And the two angels come and they go, why are you still here? Come on. Do we need to remind you, you need to go? This is what they shared with me on on. On, on Wednesday, it's like, don't get stuck there. Hey, you've got to move. You're on mission. Don't forget it because we can get stuck in moments. Because this is what happened. We were supposed to have band practice yesterday morning, and I forgot to arrange, change the time that we were coming to practice because we have to book the hall. And because it was load shedding, I'm like, oh, no one will use it. So I just changed the time. And we got here, and the hall was booked. And so 
I had to tell everybody in the band, sorry guys, we can't make it. And I felt so bad because guys had to sacrifice. I must let you, our team sacrificed a lot to serve us here in this church. And they gave up time to be here. And driving home, I just had the sense of, they could have been doing something else. It cost them something big. And in that moment, Jesus just said, don't get stuck there for a moment. Because we can get so stuck in a moment of something happening that it derails us and distracts us from what we are actually supposed to do. There are so many things we can get stuck in. Emotions, our past, our work. How many of you guys know you can get stuck in work? We, all we can focus on is what we're doing we can get focused and stuck on things we have and things we don't have. And it can consume our minds and stop us from doing what God needs us to do. Yesterday, I was, I was sorry guys, I was really just so bummed that we couldn't have practice. That half time going home, I'm like, how do I even prep now? Because my mind is consumed what happened and I would have been sidetracked if God hadn't spoken to me we can get stuck in ideas that we turn into religion because we can have encounters with Jesus and then that becomes the be all and end all of our existence and we turn it into religion and we have to do it this specific way we can only face Jesus this specific way and Jesus said no way I didn't come so you could be stuck. I came to set you free. And that is what the disciples did. Once their movement started, it was no more stuckness. <laughs> I got the mic. <laughs> Write it down. We'll be taking notes. We get unstuck and no more stuckness. <laughs> Trust me, next week you're going to remember that. First things first, get unstuck. If there is something that has got your mind and your focus so much that you can't see Jesus properly for who he is and for what he has called you to do, you're stuck. And then you go, okay, I need to get into a huddle. Because in the huddle, those angels came. Now you're going to notice people in white. I don't care who you are. You notice someone walking in a white jeans a mile away. And, you, and the first thing you go is like, why? <laughs> they were in a place where there's a lot of sand. And I could have sworn I would have gone, really, why? A lot of things running through my mind at this moment. But when they get into a huddle, you get people that go, let's encourage you. Hey, let's get back on track. Get out of your unstuckness. You know, you don't have a bad day, you have a bad moment. It's five minutes that have, where something has happened. The only thing that changes the day is the way you approach everything afterwards. And so we need to make sure that we get unstuck. I'm going to use that word, unstuck. So get unstuck if you can't get into a huddle. If you can, get into a huddle. If you're not stuck, get into a huddle. Find out what God is saying. And most importantly, we need to pray. 
Maybe you've been getting stuck in something for so long that we need to pray, Lord, come on, give us a revelation of what needs to happen here. Maybe you have a family member that needs prayer. You can't do it on your own. Let's get together. Let's pray. Be real with each other. Because I believe the, the disciples were real with each other. This is what we need to pray for. This is how I'm feeling. Let's pray. Let's realign us with the focus of who Jesus is. Can we make sure we put first things first? Because when we do that, everything else falls into place. And so I don't know what you are busy facing this week, what you've come through the week that has passed. I don't know if you've experienced some of what you have been experiencing this morning. I don't know what it is going to be like at home. But we're here. Let's pray. Let's get together. Let's encourage each other. Let's be the cheerleaders we want. Let's get unstuck. Because we're on mission with a message. See the kingdom of God multiplied beyond it. And we pray.